Good morning to everyone. I'm thinking uh, especially of the story of Joseph this morning in uh, Genesis 44, 45 and following. But I'd like to share a few thoughts about the joy of confessing sin. The joy of confessing sin, and it'll become clear why here in a second. But we have spent time in the Lord's presence reflecting on His deep, deep love for us. And especially and particularly how that love is expressed in His going to the cross in what we call the passion of Christ, the sufferings of the, the, the Messiah, of the Christ. And we know that this, these sufferings revealed something. Revealed something to man that before that had been misunderstood and covered over. The fact that God loves us. That God created us for a relationship of love. We had forgotten that. We had come to believe that God barely could stand us and only the days that we were doing well. And so the religions of man for centuries had been occupied with how to gain favor with heaven. How to gain the favor and love of heaven. We earn it various different ways. But when Jesus went to the cross, it was revealed, no, God loves us and God, in fact, created us for a love relationship with Him. This is why we gather week by week. And it reminds me of the story of Joseph because we know this story relatively well. And I'll never forget a brother sharing from Genesis 45 this beautiful picture of Joseph revealing himself to his brothers. And he said, this is just like what we're doing here in the breaking of bread. So let me just read briefly here from Genesis 45. Genesis 45 uh, he was Joseph was listening to Judah and finally it says then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him and he cried out make everyone go out from me so no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers and he wept aloud and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it and then Joseph said to his brothers i am Joseph does my father still live but his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. And then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine's been on the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me 
father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Hurry, go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son, Joseph, God has made me lord of Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen. You shall be near to me, you and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. For there are still five years of famine. And behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it's my mouth that speaks to you. So you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you've seen. And you shall hurry and bring my father down here. And then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. And after that, his brothers talked with them. So again, this is a really powerful picture. We know the story. The brothers betrayed Jesus. They uh, sold him into slavery. They assumed he was dead by this point. Sorry, Joseph. Thank you. Betrayed Joseph. And when they were in his presence, their sins overwhelmed them. And they could not, they, I can imagine they were trembling. Now it's going to come now. Our sins have found us out. And we'll be, you know, he was tr- kind of treating them harshly before. Of course, this was just part of a little, not that he was playing with them, but he was testing them in some ways. They said it was bad before, but now he's just going to kill us all and get his revenge. But that's why it's so beautiful when Joseph says, come, please, in fact, please come near to me. Isn't that beautiful? Draw near to me. Don't worry. Don't let your, it's true you're evil. Don't, Don't sugarcoat it. It's not like Joseph said, oh, you didn't do too many bad things. But he said, God is greater than your sin. You thought you were in control, and that's what makes you tremble. But you weren't in control. God knows what's happening throughout his entire universe. He's bigger than your sins. Come near to me in freedom and receive my love. And it's beautiful. They do. In other words, they are able to come. And it says in the end that Benjamin... Um, wept on his neck, and then it says, Joseph kissed all the brothers. Isn't that? He goes one by one. Imagine. Even Judah. Judah was the one who had the idea of selling him into slavery. But one by one, even those ones that he tattletailed on when he was a young man, and I'm sure they hated him the most. Even Simeon, who he had imprisoned for a little while uh, earlier, he kissed each one. And he's kissing us this morning. Lord, the Lord Jesus has called you and me to come near this morning and week by week to, to come near, to not just come once, but he says here to live near me. I want you to live near me so that I can take care of you. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus doesn't want to just give you a, like in Monopoly, get out of jail free card. Use it when you need it. You know, as soon as you die, you can pull that card out and say, ah, I get to go out of hell. So that's not what he's giving us. He's calling us into a relationship. He wants us to live near him so that he can take care of us, 
so that we will live and not die. I just think that's beautiful. But one of the things that came to me as I was thinking of this story is how the brothers weren't really able to fully enter in to that love. If you guys know the story, at the end of Genesis, after Jacob dies, do you know what they say? Let's look at it. Genesis 50. They bury Jacob. And I know all these J's. I'm sure I'm going to misspeak again. So you know who I'm talking about. They bury Jacob, the father. And it's just such an interesting way to end the book of Genesis. Because in verse 15, it says this. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. And then now this is the brothers speaking. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Not your brothers, not recipients of your love, but we are merely your servants. We'll, we're, we're just happy to be slaves. Chain us up, do what you want with us. It's, it's really, they're, they're scheming to the end. Jacob never said that. In fact, the problem is, they probably never told Jacob what happened. They didn't know that Joseph had a reason to despise and hate his brothers. And I think that's the key. What was missing in these brothers' lives was confession. Transparent confession of sin. It's only when we're honest about our sin that it finally we're freed from it. We're let out of the jail. We're let out of the prison. So these brothers, for the, whatever years they were there with Joseph, they had been enjoying his fellowship. They'd been enjoying the wealth of Egypt that was poured out on them. They were enjoying the land of Goshen. But in the back of their mind, all along, was this nagging thought, it's still going to come back and bite us. I know that I'm still not worthy of this love. Isn't that kind of sad? It's sad that they weren't able to really sink into it and enjoy the love of Joseph because their sin was still hiding there. Let's just flip back and look a little bit at how this played out. If you look a little earlier, when his brothers first arrive in Egypt, this is in chapter 42. We have their first, you might say, their first attempt at confession or their first move towards owning their sin. This is in Genesis 42. 
They're in Joseph's presence, but they don't know that he understands them. They think he's Egyptian. And so he tells them, and you guys know the story, he says, I think you're spies, and I want you to bring your youngest brother back to you. So the brothers have a conversation. Look at 21. This is Genesis 42, 21. Then they said to one another, to one another, right? We are truly guilty concerning our brother. For we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us. And when we would not hear, therefore this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them saying, Do not sin against the boy. And you would not listen. Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. And this is the key. But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them through an interpreter. And I think this is kind of the way we confess our sins. It's kind of like we talk about it, you know. Oh, yeah, I messed up here and there. But I'm never really confessing it. Because I always think that it's almost like God doesn't speak my language, right? He, I can hide it. I can talk about it, you know, God. When in my prayer life, I'm like, thank you, God, for everything. How transparent do you get with God about your sin? Do you own it? Do you say, Lord, this is what I've done? They kind of did it with each other. Of course, they all knew each other's sins, right? So they, that was no cost. There was no cost to this confession. They were just talking amongst themselves. But even more so, if you look at chapter 44... This is where it's really starting to come home to them. And they know something's up because the whole thing with the money in the bags. And now Benjamin has been caught with this cup. And they just, they can't believe their bad luck. And they just know that this is, you might say, I think in our language today, this is the universe getting back at them, right? This is the karma coming back on their heads. And so they're bothered by it. And look at the words of uh, Judah. This is in Genesis 44. And he explains to Joseph why they can't simply leave Benjamin there. Um, Verse 18. Judah came near to him. And said, My Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's hearing. And do not let your anger burn against your servant, for you're even like Pharaoh. This is again their second attempt at confession. Let's see how it goes. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age who is young. His brother is dead. And he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. So they, they kind of got it right, right? His brother is dead. They neglected to say, we killed him, right? They didn't, it's not a full confession. They know their guilt. They're, they're trying to own it, and I think Judah does his best here. He says, take me instead, and Joseph is eventually moved by Judah's example. But the point is, They never say what they've really done. And then in chapter 45, the Lord, the Lord, Joseph says to them, go tell my father, 
I'm alive. Go speak of all my glory here in Egypt. Verse 25, it says, Then they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. We tried to kill him, but we didn't. No, no. They, they never quite get there, do they? Right? So, three times they're given the opportunity to really own their sin and confess it. But they don't do it. And I believe that this causes them to not be able to fully enjoy the land of Goshen where Joseph has brought them in. And I wonder just for our purposes, for our sakes, how, where are you in that? How well do you confess your sins to God? How regular a part of your prayer life is that? Right? In other words, when you pray and you're there before the Lord, how much time do you spend confessing those failures, those faults? There's an unhealthy obsession we can have about our sins and our faults. But if we don't honestly lay them out before God, it's not God who suffers. He knows it already. It's us. We're the ones who are refusing to allow ourselves to enter in to full and free fellowship with the Lord. May we confess our sins to the Lord. And not just individually, but as families, and I think importantly, as an assembly. We have to be willing to acknowledge where we have fallen short. Because whether we know it or not, or whether we like to admit it or not, we know those failings. And I think sometimes they keep us from really fully being able to appreciate the fellowship of the Lord. So may we confess our sins and we know that He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And just as a quick word, we know that verse in 1 John, in some sense, speaks of that first time we come to God. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us all our sins, past, present, and future. But there's a continual transparency that has to be there for the believer. We have, you might say, well, he, he forgave all my future sins when I bowed to him at the age of 15. So why would I bother confessing them? What happens is I'm not able to enter into that fellowship fully. It's not that he's holding them against me. I'm holding them against myself. So let's confess our sins. Let's get this burden off our chest so that we can more fully enjoy presence with the Lord for his glory. Amen.